What is up, B.A. family, and welcome to another episode of the Breathe in Air podcast, where everyday action meets extraordinary mindset. I'm your host, Mason Bendigo, and thank you all for tuning in to another episode. I know a lot of y'all have probably heard about hashtag van life, you know, the quote-unquote van life, where you see all these pictures of souped-out vans on the inside with beds and kitchens and little living areas and they travel around in this van across the United States. Well, today's guest did that, but not out of a van, out of his car, out of his car with basically a big box on top where he would sleep overnight. Today's guest is Michael Donatelli. He's a strength and nutrition coach and a strongman athlete and someone whose story just really enamored me with him being able to say, you know what, I'm going to drop everything and and I'm going to go and travel out of my car. And while running an online business and also taking online classes, he went and did this and took this leap of faith, this almost jump towards solitude and, and seeing so much of what he hadn't seen before. And we talk about his perspective on life after doing that, after taking a leap, after doing something that people probably thought he was crazy for doing. This is the kind of people that enamor me. We have so many different guests on the show, and ultimately it's people who are uncommon and taking uncommon actions with different mindsets. And to go through a journey like Michael has in such a young age that he is, is pretty extraordinary. And it's always interesting to hear the perspectives of someone who has done extraordinary things such as this. So if y'all enjoyed today's episode and you want to hear more or see more from Mr. Michael, you can find him over on Twitter where he's very active at Mike D Donatelli. And you can also find him on Instagram at Michael underscore Donatelli. He has a lot of cool pictures from his travels there and also a lot of great insight that he continues to post consistently as he builds an audience on Twitter as well. So go check him out. Give him the follow. Let him know what you thought about the episode. I think y'all are going to get a lot out of this, not just from the incredible storytelling, but a lot of the informational stuff that Michael has through his knowledge of strength training, through his knowledge of nutrition and diet that you can take home and utilize in your everyday life. If y'all want to hear more, see more, and be up to date with the latest and greatest on the podcast, go follow us over on Instagram at Breathe and Air Podcast, and you can follow us on Twitter at Breathe and Air Pod. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts today or on Spotify, y'all subscribe so that you can stay up to date with everything that is coming out soon. We have some really exciting guests coming for you guys, a lot of stuff in the pipeline. And I just can't thank you enough for your continued support for the show. Today's episode is brought to you by the best sponsor ever and the best media company ever and the only media company that you're going to need over at Garden Fresh Media. They're a media company for the dreamers, for the believers, for the succeeders. What else rhymes with that? Um, They are a company that is going to give you all your content creation needs whether it's photography, whether it's web design, whether it is content creation of any form, look no further than Garden Fresh Media to take the next step in business. Media is not just an option. It is a requirement. You can find them over at GardenFreshMedia.com. And if you are looking for a new logo design, you can get $50 off your first logo design with Breathe 50. That is promo code Breathe 50 for $50 off your first logo design. Garden Fresh Media, no media, no growth. Without further ado, it is my pleasure to introduce to you Mr. Michael Donatelli. (laughs) 
Thank you so much for having me, Mason. I'm pumped to be on, pumped for our conversation. It's going to be a fun time. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. So give everybody a little bit about you, kind of where you're from, and just, just give them a little synopsis. Yeah, so I am 20 years old. I'm from uh, a suburb of Chicago, Illinois, called Wheaton, Illinois. And I go to school down at uh, North Carolina State in Raleigh. And the past three months, I've actually been traveling the Western United States, living out of my car, um, being a full-time online student and online business owner, and just kind of living the traveling life while also balancing everything. So it's been, it's been a wild three months, but I'm back home now um, in Chicago and starting to get back into the routine of things. Yeah. I mean, since you mentioned it, what was, what was like the motivation there to just say, I'm packing it all up and going on the road? <laughs> yeah. Great question. So it is a weird kind of situation to be, to be a part in. And really what it all stemmed from was this semester was supposed to be a semester abroad for me. So I was supposed to be in Italy studying abroad there um, in Florence, mm. but with COVID, I'm like a lot of people, I'm sure, their plans got sidetracked just like mine. And I, for a few days after it kind of got sidetracked, I was pretty bummed, you know, just like had this whole lead up of, I'm going to go to Italy. I'm going to, you know, explore Europe. I'm 20. This is awesome. Like, this is my dream. And then that kind of got shut down. And I thought to myself, what's the next best thing? And I've always wanted to, you know, live out of a car, kind of do the van life experience and just travel around. And I thought my classes are online. Why not just go for it? So I kind of found a sublease for my apartment down in Raleigh, was able to get that right away. And then use that money I'm sa I saved on the apartment to buy a rooftop tent, put it on my car. And then I hit the trails. I mean, really, that's about all the planning that went into it, to be honest with you. I, it was kind of, it's kind of a funny story because I found a sublease before I actually told my parents what I was doing. <laughs> so I had already committed to not living down in Raleigh before my parents even knew that I was going to go on this epic adventure. And, you know, it was awesome. I have super, I'm super blessed to have really supportive parents. So they were, you know, kind of cheering on and like, go for it. Why not do it? Um, and yeah, I didn't have any plans really of where I was going to go, where I was going to stay. It was just kind of making it up as I go. So what kind of car are you driving that you're <laughs> top of? <laughs> yeah. So I've got, um, I normally I actually drive a, a Honda Civic, but I switched that out for my brother-in-law's car, which is Toyota Highlander. So it's a little bit bigger car. Um, I was able to put the tents on and then I had inside, I had like, a little storage unit for my clothes. I had a cooler. Um, it was like an off-brand Yeti cooler that kept ice cold for, you know, three days, kept my food cold. I had a little camp stove, some propane bottles, um, and yeah, uh, pots and pans, and that's how I lived for three months. So I want to I wanna take one step away and then come back to this because I have lots of okay. questions. But okay, all right. Let's go into your side of things as far as growing up and, and being in, you know, the powerlifting, uh, Olympic lifting and, and fitness really being a big part of your life. Yeah. So I guess it all starts um, really back in high school. I was a wrestler, a competitive wrestler pretty much my entire life, um, starting when I was, you know, seven years old and continued on all the way through my senior year and really my sophomore year is when I got really into nutrition and then lifting started a little bit later but part of wrestling as I'm sure you know is you know you do a lot of weight cut significant weight cuts and stuff like that it can be pretty it, it, it's a toll on your body for sure and especially if you're not fueling yourself correctly mm -hmm. so what I found was after my sophomore year which is where I cut the most amount of weight I was walking around about 150 and then I was wrestling at 126. So it was a big, it was a big chunk of weight for me to be doing. And I had terrible nutrition habits. Like I would, you know, weigh in and then go eat, you know, like 
chips and of Gatorade and Mountain Dew and like all this really bad stuff. And I would just feel awful. Like not only did I not like I didn't perform as well as I wanted to, but also I would just feel off. Like my, my recovery was terrible. And after that year of wrestling, I didn't perform how I wanted. But that's when I dove in just my own interest into, all right, how can I be fueling my body? And I got into the huge realm of nutrition. That really sparked a passion that I didn't know I had. So then I focused on nutrition. And the next year, you know, I was 138. I was feeling a lot better. But the strength aspect was kind of was missing still. So in between my junior and senior year, I got a strength and conditioning coach, really found a passion for lifting in the weight room. I was in the weight room seven days a week. I mean, just eating like a fiend, you know, all high quality food. And my senior year, I wrestled, I was weighing 170 and I wrestled 160, 170 and 182. I was going up guys that were 12 pounds heavier than me and handling them because I was, I had gone through this huge transformation just by changing my nutrition and falling in love with the weight room. So that kind of sparked everything else that happened in my life of I, after I finished wrestling, I decided I want to go into powerlifting and, you know, I had some success with that, won some competitions. And then most recently I found a love for strongman. So I competed in my first strongman competition back in December, won that. So I'm looking to compete again this fall um, and hopefully win a national bid. Um, so yeah, that's it. But it really all started back, back in high school with wrestling. Yeah, and it seems like nutrition has been the cornerstone for, for what you just explained there. For somebody who, you know, is feeling the effects of what they eat. Because I always say, like, just be aware of how you feel after you eat certain foods. Like, of course, we all love to splurge on the pizza or the burgers or whatever, which, you know, in small increments is fine. But, like, even when I do that still, it's like, man, I feel like shit as opposed to when I eat clean and use food as a fuel source. So for anyone, you know, that's eating the chips, Mountain Dew, Gatorades, the sugar, all the bad, the bad stuff. And, and they're like, man, I want to have a quick and easy energy boost through food. What is some of the easiest or quickest changes that you used that really helped that other people could? Yeah, for me, it was making changes that for foods that I like too. Like I always enjoyed eating chicken breasts and steak. Like everyone likes a good steak, you know, some sweet potatoes, um, roasted veggies. Like I made it so that I, I found a love for good food. So not only was I fueling my body, but everything was super tasty as well. So I think that's, you know, the barrier that a lot of people face when trying to make nutrition changes is they immediately think, I've got to be eating, you know, bland food that I don't want to enjoy. And for me, I enjoyed it immensely. I mean, I was the kid at lunch that would come up with like a sirloin steak, a sweet potato, some grilled vegetables, while all my friends were eating pizza and cookies. And I was like, this is tasty. They're all like, dang, you know, you should really make my foods and stuff. I'm like, yeah, it's great. Like, it's it's such a myth and it's a shame because not only can you eat healthy and enjoy the food, but then you also realize that you're, you know, it's addicting your body responds well to it. So it's like a cycle for me. It's like, I just took off. It's like, I, I realized that my, so it started with my body needing better fuel and I wanted to feel better. And then I realized that I could taste and enjoy better food as well. Yeah, there. I think that is a mis, you know, misunderstanding for that. Like, oh, I need to eat chicken, you know, plain rice and veggies, and it's bland and it's not good. Like, there is so many different ways to mix in quality essential foods, and I feel like I agree with what you say. When you eat that stuff, you crave it more. You don't want to eat when you make that transition. You don't want to eat the crappy foods anymore because it doesn't even taste as good, and it doesn't make you feel as good, and What's that connection that you've had or felt or seen when it comes to nutrition, exercise, and your mental capacity and the way that you feel mentally? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's huge because, you know, you don't, I don't think a lot of kids realize it, especially when you're younger, because 
you know, as a young athlete, you can get away with bad nutrition habits, bad um, sleep habits. Like we all know the guy, the stellar athlete in high school, who's up till 3 a.m. playing video games, eating chips before the game. Like it, it's a thing, but you know, what you also don't realize is that as soon as you make that switch with the mental aspect of it, it's, you know, your body's connected to your mind. Like everything just starts flowing more. You know, you, you have a clear head. You don't get that brain fog from you get when you're eating crap food. So it's everything. When you realize everything's connected, it's a little bit easier to make that transition. Yeah. Absolutely. So I'm assuming that a lot of these lifts, you know, preparing for strongmans, preparing for these heavy competitions, your nutrition and your fitness are pretty rigorous. So give us a little peek inside of your day to day when you're training for these competitions. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's um, it's intense. Like we I have a coach, Zach Hommel. He's great. Um, he's super knowledgeable. One of probably the most knowledgeable guy in the strength sports area right now. And, you know, when you're prepping for a strongman competition, it's 12 weeks of dedicated training and daily life that goes into it. I mean, I was taking down four to 5,000 calories of good food a day. I mean, it becomes like a full, almost like a full-time job, just eating. I mean, it's when you're trying to eat four or 5,000 calories of steak, rice, potatoes, vegetables, fruits, it's a lot of food. And you like, I would have to like for, but I needed it because the training sessions are so demanding. I mean, you compare it to like, you know, powerlifting is probably the closest thing. I mean, you're only doing three different lifts in that. And really, I mean, one max effort lift because in a traditional powerlifting meet, you know, your first, like your first and second lifts are relative. Well, your first lift at least is, is going to be lower than your max, right? You just want to get it, get the mark and go on. And then your second and third lifts are more max effort, but with strong, Strongman, I mean, it's five different events that you're going max effort. And I mean, it could be like, it's not always just one rep. It could be like max effort on a 200 pound log over your head. And just the demand that it takes on your body, you have to be dialed in with your food or else your body literally just won't recover. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm interested because I made the transition from quarterback to tight end my last two years and I was maybe like 225 and I had a little gain like I got up to 250 so I had I was eating 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 so I know the 5,000 calorie a day life that that stuff is hard um tell me what a full day of eating looked like for you when you're eating clean calories too I think people don't realize you know, even if you're eating a lot of food, it's going to be less calories than if you're getting a burger, fries, and a shake. You know, you could easily exactly. pass in calories there. A thousand calories of clean, like nutrient-dense foods, a little bit harder. <laughs> yeah. So a day in prep. All right. So I would wake up, and I'm I've always been one who enjoys working out in the morning. Um, I just I just love you know getting up at five a.m., getting getting to the gym, getting it done, and then having the rest of my day. So I would wake up. And I would wake up at about an hour before I would go to the gym. And my go-to gym meal was like pretty much like, you know, like the um the little containers of berries, mm-hmm. like of like raspberries, blackberries, something. I would eat like two to three of those. <laughs> I would eat <laughs> so fruit, I would down um before we workouts, I do a lot of honey because it's quick, easy carbohydrates that digest quick um are easy on the stomach i don't want anything sitting in there so i do probably five tablespoons of that and then i would go to the gym so a lot of just quick sugars go to the gym and then i would come back and i would be eating like six to seven eggs whole grain toast more fruit um if i was still hungry i would throw in like oatmeal or something and then you know i would go to work go to school come back my lunches consisted of, I always try to go to like at least two different sources of protein. 
because mm-hmm. for me it was just easier than eating a like I would just get bored of only eating like you know a pound of steak or whatever. I just I just couldn't do it. So I would I would usually do shrimp and then chicken for lunch kind of thing. I pair them together, a whole bunch of either fresh vegetables or I got in the habit of just doing frozen vegetables because it was easier for me to keep. Mm-hmm. And um, they actually have about the same, if not better, nutritional value than fresh fruits because they're flash frozen when they're picked. So I would get frozen vegetables, get like a giant bowl. Um, I love like the pea, carrot, corn little mix, you know? So I would do that. And then about two or three hours later, I would get really hungry again. And I would do some sort of protein. So if it was leftover chicken, leftover shrimp, maybe some eggs again, and then go um, some sort of fruit. And then I would usually do like a banana with peanut butter or something, you know, get some fats because fats are a great way to just up your calories mm-hmm. with not taking up a ton of room. So I'd do that. And then I would have a big dinner that was kind of similar to the lunch. And then always got to finish off the day with some ice cream. <laughs> that is, that's my, that's my like guilty pleasure is yeah. I, I do ice cream and I do it hard. What kind of ice cream are we talking about? Go to cookie dough. Cookie. cookie dough, chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream. Yeah. Chocolate chip cookie dough. So Dude, good. Um, I'm the same way. Like I just have such a sweet tooth at night. Yeah. So I've been into like some different dark chocolates and I love ice cream too, but I love yeah. dark chocolate. Um, yeah. yeah. When I'm uh when I'm trying to do like if I like if I'm doing a photo shoot, I've done a couple where I want to lean up a little bit. I put my ice cream aside, but like you said, I get like the sweet tooth after dinner like it's just immediate i have to have something so what i do i do a giant bowl of frozen mango it is if you've never tried it you have to try it because it is one of the greatest fat loss hacks i think on the planet because it's high in fiber it's sweet like it tastes like mango sorbet and it's filling and there's like no calories in it so you just freeze it up and you put it in the freezer you can just get you can just get bags of it so good. I love mangoes. I love mangoes. It's if you find a good if you find a good one that's in season, there I don't think there's much better. There people don't get them as much. You know, you don't you don't think of it's like your basics like strawberry, banana, apple, but mangoes, whew. underrated fruit for sure. And frozen form, I think it's even better, honestly. Yeah. So. I'm gonna have to try that. I'll I'll give you my review. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So, yeah, that was a typical, a typical, a typical day of eating, and it was a lot. And I would do that for twelve weeks, yeah. and by the end, I was like, I, like people think eating less calories is hard. I think eating more calories is hard. Yeah, when you get to that four or five thousand mark, eating more is definitely harder. It is something that you really have to actually focus on and do and create time for. It. And it is, it is a job at the end of the day. I, I do not miss those days, but I remember. Right? Yeah, no, for sure. Mentioned a lot of, you know, what you're eating for serious competition and at that capacity. But for someone who's just trying to have an aesthetically pleasing body, feel better, look better, a more, you know, lifestyle approach to it that fits their lifestyle. uh, What what kind of foods would you suggest there? Similar, less quantity, or are you switching it up? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a few staples that I think everyone should kind of incorporate into their diet, obviously less quantity compared to, you know, competing because similarly, because most people aren't doing the the workload that I was doing when I was competing. Right. And, but a few staples of just like, I always try to do protein at most meals. Um, and for me, it's, you know, I fill up on my protein and then fill up on my carbs and veggies and a simple a, a strategy or an, a plan, a guideline, I, I guess I would say for me, that's always worked is, and I structure most of my meals the same is one to two sources of protein. And then I choose one to two different vegetables. And then I, the last thing is one other sort of carb. So whether it be a whole grain or, you know, a starchy vegetable, you know, potatoes, something like that. And I just, I really keep it that simple for most of my meals. Because when you do that, you find that it's kind of hard not to eat healthy in a way, just keeping it 
simply, you know, one to two sources of protein, vegetables, and then an additional carb. And it's simple and effective. And this is this is kind of why when we started talking about your travels, I wanted everybody to realize what it takes to eat like this, the lifestyle that it takes when you're training and you're eating. Now let's transition back, okay? So you okay. go on the road and you have a burner and you have not that much. You have a old Yeti cooler. Yep. What was the lifestyle change like for three months on the road with I, I mean, were you hitting gyms on the way? What was the food situation like? Yeah. So, and here's the cool thing, right? And it was something that I set out as like a side mission on this whole adventure was I wanted to prove to myself and to others that you can live a healthy lifestyle with minimal, like with minimal access to things. I mean, if I can live, I basically live the same sort of lifestyle while just being out of my car. To be honest, not, not a lot changed. I, for gyms, I went to Anytime Fitnesses. I bought a membership and they're everywhere across the country, which also provided a great shower opportunity. Um, but I would go there and then I got my, you know, my regular training. I wasn't able to do strongman specific stuff, but I was able to get in the gym at least, at the very least, three to four days a week. Some, we- some weeks it was four, some weeks it was two, but mostly it was, you know, three, four, maybe even five. Um, and it was great. And then in terms of food, I was able to eat the same sort of stuff. I was able to cook ground beef. I was able to cook chicken. I was able to cook shrimp. I was able to cook the occasional steak, you know, just on a, on a pan, on a skillet. And, you know, I had a pot that I boiled, you know, I would do rice. I would do a whole grain pastas. I would, I would cut up my vegetables and saute them. You know, it, it, I, did I lose a little bit of strength? Absolutely. But that was mainly because my focus had shifted. I was less worried about maintaining my strength and more worried about just enjoying the fact that I was out there. So I absolutely skipped workouts so I could go on a cool hike, you know, but, but I showed to myself that, you know, I could, if, my only focus was to continue this training level, I could do it. I think that's a big thing. And and I always say there's no one size fits all approach to fitness, to everyone's lifestyle, to the way that they can put meals in and what works for them in the gym. Obviously there's staples I believe in, of course, but what was that like for you mentally? Because I know for me, whenever I stopped playing ball and I lost like a quick 20 pounds, it wasn't quick, but I mean, it happened and, you know, life, life hits you fast and you're like, whoa. I mean, I had to kind of, it mentally for me, it was like, man, I've missed my size a little bit. I miss, it's one of those things that you go through, I feel like. So what was that like? It, you're exactly right. It was one of the, like probably one of the most challenging parts of the start of the trip was, I mean, I lost I was, when I left, I was the strongest I had ever been. I had just come off a strongman competition. I had won, you know, my numbers were pushing up. Um, like I was walking around 194, 195, just like bowling ball jacked, still had six pack. Like I, I was, I was the strongest and leanest I had ever been. And then, you know, it, because I couldn't keep that up and it, my priority shifted within about a month, I probably lost about 10 pounds Yeah. of just, I mean, you know, obviously it's, you're not doing as much lifting, so you don't have as much inflammation. So some of that's water, but then also, you know, just loss of size. And for me, it was huge. It was so difficult to switch, but a few things that just helped me was one was just journaling, honestly. That's always been my kind of fallback on whenever I'm struggling mentally is to just write down my thoughts. Because for me, what it's done is it's, it's shown me that I am not my thoughts. I'm separate. And the moment you can write down those and see that, the moment you, is the moment you begin to analyze them and take a better approach towards them. So for me, you know, I was having these thoughts of like, I'm, because in my head, I'm losing size, I'm losing strength, I'm losing value. 
that's what that's what was going through my head and as soon as i started writing those down i was able to see no i'm just entering a different season into my life i'm entering a phase where i'm going to experience so much growth by going and seeing these incredible spaces going and meeting these incredible people that i'm going to meet and letting my training take a back seat for once in my life mm. and really without journaling i don't know if i ever would have gotten to that point because again it was just such a way for me to disconnect from my thoughts so important it's not the thoughts that you have it's what you attach to and by writing those things down i agree it really brings a sense of awareness to what's actually going on in your head and for any high achiever anyone that's listening to this podcast you guys want to learn. You're thirsty for knowledge. You're probably ambitious. You're driven. You want things. And a lot of times that's a gifted and curse because, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in your head whenever you have a brain that functions like that. So, I mean, I totally agree. It's, it's one of those things where I'll look back at my old journals, which I journal to, and I definitely agree with everything you just said. But it's almost like, man, did I actually write these things? Like some will be good. Some will be bad. Some will be like crazy thoughts. And I'm just like, I can't believe like this guy, like who's this guy that's writing all this stuff. It's weird to go back and like, look at it. And yeah, yeah it's a powerful thing. It's extremely powerful. Um, I actually, it's funny you mentioned that I, when I got home, I did like a deep clean of my room because I realized that I, after living out of my car for three months, I only needed a certain amount of stuff. I had a lot of stuff that I could just part with. And I was going through a box and I actually found an old journal of mine and I was going through it. And kind of just, I spent like an hour just reading all those journal entries. And it was an incredibly power, powerful time and just reflection of how far I've come. Because that journal had been from early high school when I was in a completely different headspace. And if you remember, I didn't really start nutrition in my fitness journey, journey till after my sophomore year. And this was right about that time. So I was going through, you know, it was cool to see. I was kind of almost, figuring things out of like my body doesn't feel good after I'm cutting all this weight you know I'm writing all these things down and I'm realizing that I need to start making switches and reading that now you know it's it's always hard to see how far you've come without looking back and that's the power of so it was just a cool surreal thing after having such a having just gone through a huge moment of growth on my trip to then go all the way back to that earlier time. Yeah. It, it it's like people don't real write things down enough in such a technological age now, but I'm almost attached to it. Like I I don't even like taking notes on my phone. Like I'll do it if I need to, but if I'm reading or taking notes on something, I just there's something about a piece of paper and a pen or a pencil that and I, I can't pull out the stats here, but I know there are specific stats that, you know, shows the amount of comprehension that happens when you're actually writing, when you're audibly hearing it versus just taking in information. Like we can only process so much information. So yeah, I'm a big proponent for that. Huge proponent. Do you, do you write goals down and, and certain things like that as well? Or is it more just a journaling aspect? So it it's a little bit of both. I I do write goals for a, for the longest time. I I did the classic thing of like you know like from like the Rocky movie where he's got like the picture of Drago and he like crumples it up and all that good stuff. I used to put my my like I would write my goals on a post-it note and put it on my bathroom mirror so I could see it every day. Um, I don't do that anymore, but I do at the kind of every few months I check in on where I'm at my goals. Do I need to adjust them? And I do keep them in my journal. But for me, journaling started as a gratitude journal. So I would, you know, that's last year. So 2020, um, I decided that I was going to use a word to kind of describe as like a motto for my year. So I chose the word gratitude for 2020. And part of me practicing gratitude was to do a gratitude journal every morning. So I would write down five things every morning that I was grateful for and write a little bit about that. And then after doing that for about a month, I decided, you know, I, I really want to get back into more like actual journal. And I kind of went back to my normal ways of 
you know, writing long entries of just how I was feeling, what I was going through. Um, so the gratitude journal kind of sparked into, you know, more of a long form journal that I had kind of dropped off from um, back in high school. And it's, I think it's important to note that it doesn't even have to be like very structured when you're writing. And I, I feel this sense that you write similarly where it's just write what's on your mind, like get it out on a piece of paper, just let it flow. If you're, you know, just whatever's on your mind, it doesn't have to be so specific, but there is freedom in just getting it out of your head and onto another outlet. It's almost like a weight gets lifted. A hundred percent, hundred percent. I think, you know, for me, when I first started journaling back in high school, um, I, I tried with like those, those structured journals that like give you prompts and like have little boxes that you go in and some, for some people it's great, you know, it works, but for me, it just felt so forced. It didn't feel genuine. And then the moment I just had like a blank piece of paper, I, it, I just started you know, talking about my day. And then it's crazy how talking about your day turns into something deeper that you kind of just comes up. And it's just, again, like you said, the power of just writing down something on paper, it, it's really unmatched anything I've experienced. Definitely. You mentioned earlier when you came back and you got in your room, you're cleaning it out and you had been living this minimalistic lifestyle for so long. What, what did you learn about how much we really have around us and how much we actually need to survive during that time. Yeah. Um, it, I learned a lot to be honest with you. I learned that, I mean, during my three months on the road, I can honestly say it was one of the most hap- pure happiness feelings that I've ever had in my life. I mean, I consider myself a very happy individual. I, you know, I, I try to radiate positivity. That's just, I like to do that. But when I was out there on the road, not having a direction, just going where I felt I was kind of being called, it was just the most joyous I've ever felt. And at the end, I came to realize, you know, it's for me, at least, you know, I lived out of my car. Like I didn't have a lot of belongings and it's not the belongings that bring me happiness. You know, it's easy to say, oh, a bigger house will you know, bring more joy. A nicer car will bring me more joy. But at the end of the day, it's it's the experiences we have and the people that surround us that I think make the biggest impact. So the car was just kind of a, a tool that I guess led me to that because you can't have a lot of belongings while you're in that small space. Yeah, it's, I definitely agree with that. What kind of things were you doing and, you know, like, were you doing yoga on those days that you weren't like, are you doing mobility practices with a lot of this? And how important is mobility to strength? People who want to come in, lift all the heavy weights, but don't want to do any of the stretching. What kind what can you say to that? Yeah. I mean, mobility was probably something I focused on a lot more in the past two years. And then on this trip, I focused on a lot because I, I kind of was forced to of like, not having always access to a gym. So I was just like, I want to move my body. I want to feel better. And also sitting in a car. If if you've ever done a long road trip, you know, you know, the lower back gets tight, the hips get tight, the shoulders and neck gets sore. Um, So I really found just a joy for mobility and stretching. And what I would say to anyone who is serious in lifting and does not want to practice mobility, practice stretching, I would say you're not going to be in it for very long, to be honest with you. I mean, it's something that has, I really pride myself on. And I think is one of the reasons for my success in the sport of strongman so quickly. And then also just like my success in wrestling and always having, you know, an, an agile body has because is because of my mobility. You know, I spend 15 minutes before I even lift just doing different mobility routines with my shoulders, my hips, my ankles, and any misalignment in one of those can cause a chain reaction in the body. You know, the body's all connected. You know, you have tight ankles that limits your hip mobility range. So then when you're squatting, you're having to shift 
into a certain position that might put your lower back at jeopardy. And when you realize that from a physiological standpoint, it makes mobility that much more important. So anyone, you know, who has a serious goal of staying and being able to, you know, lift heavy weights for years to come has to adopt some sort of mobility routine or they face serious injury. And like, you know, we all know injury can be the thing that's not only keeps you out of the gym, but keeps you out of the gym for life. I mean, how many stories do you have here of, you know, 50 year old guys who are out of shape, got the typical dad bod and all stems from an injury that they got back, that they got back in their late twenties, you know, a shoulder or rotator cuff or something. And it kicked them out of the gym for six months and they never went back. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I agree. I, I definitely agree. It's, it was something that I went through some injuries at a earlier in my career. And I just realized how important mobility was, how important flexibility and being able to, you know, like you said, your body is all connected. It is all one thing. If you, if people have lower back issues, they might have tight hips, tight glutes, tight hammies, like all these things connect together. And I believe that they connect together with your mental health and the mental aspect of things too. I always tell people, it's like, I go to the gym because it's my therapy. <laughs> it's like, I stay out. Totally can relate. You're getting some, you know, good energy out in the gym. Yeah. A hundred percent relate. I mean, for the longest time, the gym was my escape. Um, you know, I had some stuff happened early in my life that, you know, the gym was the place that I felt safe and I felt happy. I, mean, I remember one year I didn't feel, I never was a huge partier in high school and I'm still not a huge partier anyway, but you know, I remember one year I, there was a big new year's Eve party going on. And for me, it was, you know, like if I go to the new year's Eve party, I'm going to be the person that's not drinking and not doing this. And, you know, that, you know, as you know, how high school goes, that's, that's a tough for a high schooler to kind of try to even be in that situation, be the one person that's not doing it, standing out. And so for me, I also, you know, whatever was going on in my home life, I didn't want to be there. So I went to the gym. I spent a new year's at the gym and I started, I ended my year in the gym and then I started my new year in the gym. And for me, that was like the best thing ever like alone in the gym with my thoughts, happiness, positive vibes, and, you know, growth, because that's what the gym is. So, How did you differentiate yourself? And what was that like? You know, I think a lot of people can relate. There's so much external pressures. There's so many things, whether, you know, you're in high school, you're 20, you're 25, you're 45. I mean, 50 years, are there, you, there's never not going to be external pressures. And things that are pushing on us and pulling on us. So how were you able to have that fortitude, even at such a young age, to say, hey, I don't, I'm going to choose this route because growth is here? Yeah, I mean, it's a question that I ask myself a lot. Because, you know, even, I guess it goes back to just always being very confident in who I was. And I never was one to feel like I needed to go along with everyone else. And I think a lot of that stems from the influences I had in my life. My parents were always very supportive of anything I did. So I never felt like I had to fit a certain mold. I never felt like I had to, you know, do this sport because they wanted me to do it or go down this academic track because they wanted me. I knew that all they wanted me to do was be happy. And for me, at that age, I started recognizing the things that made me happy. And it wasn't getting drunk in some kid's basement. It was being at the gym. It was getting my hand raised in wrestling. It was eating good food so that I could feel good, so that I could perform well. It was, you know, going outside, being in nature. So I think for anyone who struggles with that external pressure, it, it just comes down to the goal in life should always be to do what makes you happy at the end of the day. That's, you know, that's a, what we're all after. And it might be hard, 
but in the end it's worth it because it you're going to be happier and then what often happens is the people who surround you see that you're happier and they support you for it yeah and if they don't then you need to get new (laughs) exactly exactly and if they don't then it's a sign that you know cut ties (laughs) exactly so I'm always interested to ask this question. There is no supplement for a clean diet. We've talked about how important that is, and it's the cornerstone to everything uh, when it comes to health. But as far as supplementation and biohacking, are there things that you're doing or that you were doing during your training that you really saw great results for? Because I feel like there's so much crap out there that is named. We can talk about food, but even stuff supplements everything is like this is gonna do this for you and this is gonna do this for you right everyone's got the magic pill right like every every week every day you see someone you know putting something out there like this is the new thing this is what you gotta do and for me i got caught up in that a lot when i was younger when i was starting out working out you know i i had bcas i had whey protein i had fat burners like i was on all of it because i was like i'm gonna get jacked i'm gonna be the next arnold And then I, you know, what I realized was that I could get the same results, save half, save a lot of money by just eating good, nutritious food. And, you know, the only supplements I recommend to my clients and the only supplements I currently take is I take creatine because there is scientific proof that, you know, it does help with hypertrophy and recovery and muscle growth. So I take five grams of creatine a day. Um, I have been off whey protein for a while. I used to take whey pr- protein and, um, you know, I, I recommend it if someone struggles meeting their protein intake. But for me, I, I always got like a bad feeling after I had it. You know, you pound a protein shake afterwards and I always got like really just bad gut, you know, yeah. just feelings. You know, I had to go to the bathroom right away. It just never made me feel good. And then one day I just decided I'm going to, why don't I just go make a steak at home or a chicken breast at home and eat that. And I felt better. I could eat more. And it was just from that moment on, I saved the money too. I was like, I don't need this. So as long as I can, you know, meet that protein intake, I'm not going to take it. Um, but those are really the only supplements I take. Um, and then in terms of like, you know, biohacking stuff, I've been, it sounds kind of crazy, but for really the past three months, mainly because I, I've been waking up outside, getting fresh air and sunlight the moment you wake up to me is the best stimulant anyone can take. Mm. And I've been kind of weeding myself off caffeine as well. I really only do decaf unless I absolutely need something. Um, and that's mainly just because I like to taste the coffee, to be fair with you. Um, but Waking up outside, breathing in fresh air and getting sunlight is something I think everyone can incorporate in their life. Yeah, I agree. There is a lot to be said about your circadian rhythm, your sleep patterns, sunlight, going to bed, getting in bed at least, starting to wind down when it does get dark outside, cutting out that external light, um, your phones, the Netflix, those kind of things. Those steps as far as blue light goes and and your circadian rhythms are proven. So I definitely agree with you on that. You mentioned breathing. Have you been practicing any breath work, anything that you use maybe for that parasympathetic effect or even when you're lifting? Because breathing, obviously, when you're lifting is important too for big lifts especially. Yeah. So I've been dabbling with different breathing methods. I am actually actually just purchased the Wim Hof course today. I'm super excited to dive more into that because um, my coach has been kind of feeding me different methods that he's been using related to Wim Hof and all that good stuff. But for me, I've always just used, you know, belly breathing Mm -hmm. as a way to deal with my anxiety. And for when I was on the road, I found this even more beneficial because (laughs) when you're alone in the woods, or in the desert, middle of the desert, no one you know is around. Sometimes there's not even people around. And I, you know, whether it's school related, work related, life related, I get like 
big rushes of anxiety. And you don't really want to have a panic attack in the middle out there because it, it freaks you out. So for me, whenever I feel, you know, a bout of anxiety coming on, it's really as simple as just, you know, kind of sitting nice and tall, ext- expanding my diaphragm and just breathing from my stomach rather than, you know, a lot of people do the shoulder breath and breathing in our chest. So just focusing on controlling a nice big inhale through our belly and then a nice slow exhale through my mouth, like really kept me some, kept me from getting into some bad panic attacks while on the road. Yeah, I totally agree. You're stimulating your vagus nerve, which helps hormones, which helps lower your heart rate, which helps trigger that parasympathetic state, which is huge for anxiety. It's huge for if you can't sleep at night. Um, It's huge for if your heart rate is super elevated during a tough workout and you need to, you know, get it down a little bit. Um, That was really when I started experimenting with it was for performance factors. But then the multitude of other reasons, like you just mentioned, for anxiety, for sleep. I mean, these kind of things can go on and on. And love Wim Hof, read his book, um, have done a lot of his cold therapy and, and breath work stuff. So definitely, guys, if you're interested in that, go dive a little deeper into Mr. Wim Hof. He's a pretty impressive human being i would say yeah for sure for sure he's got some insane stuff he does some insane stuff yeah um but it's all really good so i'm excited to dive deeper into it yeah you'll 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 really enjoy it i'd be interested to hear your feedback on that but you mentioned you know being in the woods being in the desert what are some of your craziest stories on the road and some of your favorite places that you got to see yeah for sure Oh, craziest stories. I've got, I've got a lot, honestly. Um, let's start with favorite places though. And I'll get into those favorite places. I had a pretty magical experience at Arches National Park in Moab, Utah. Um, if you've never, I don't know if you've been, I haven't been there. I have not. Okay. It, um, is most, one of the prettiest places I've been just seeing the natural structures of the rock, red rock. And then you have like the contrasting like greenery dispersed in here like with the shrubs and then you've got like yellow layers of rock on red and it's just absolutely gorgeous but I had one of the most powerful moments I've ever experienced in nature was there and it was my last night in arches and I decided to do a night hike which is not really recommended but I knew the hike before going into it And it was to this famous arch called Delicate Arch. And I am kind of like an amateur photographer. I've just picked it up as a hobby. And one of my passions is taking um, like knife photography photos of the stars. So I really wanted to go there and kind of experience it and take some cool pictures. So I went there. I started like a three mile hike. I get up to the arch and the wind is going crazy. And I mean, I, there's a cliff there and I was kind of freaking, freaking out. And I, so I kind of call myself, get my bearings. I sit down and I'm completely alone. There's no one else up there. It's like 12 o'clock at night. It's completely pitch black except for the stars. I sit down and all of a sudden it's like something, someone just turned off the wind. It was the most like insane experience ever. The wind goes quiet and then everything is just, still and i'm sitting there kind of getting my cameras out and i just stop and i look at the arch in front of me i look up at the stars above me and i just get this wave that rushes over me of just thinking about everything that led up to this moment of like you know saying yes to going on this trip figuring it out as i go um battling through bouts of anxiety that's going through it you know always finding my own path rather than going where everyone else is going and it was just a incredible moment because i was connecting with nature while also feeling like i was connecting with myself more than i ever had in my life and i just sat there for i couldn't even tell you the exact time it felt like two hours but it was probably about 30 minutes um and yeah, and then ever since then, I've always had a connection to arches, and I think I always will because of that. That's incredible. There are some 
some moments that bring about, for me, it is in nature as well. And I think a lot of people can experience that, you know, gets put into perspective when not only are you in nature, but like you mentioned, you're still in your quiet and you're just existing. Um, You know, nothing, no noise, you know, no phone, no, you know, external pressure to perform and no one else in your ear and you're just existing. You're there. You're your natural form. You know, nothing else matters. Those are the moments when you can really peel back a lot of the insecurities, the things that you spend so much time worrying about that don't even matter, like all those things. And so I think you're definitely blessed to have experienced something like that at a young age because so many people could really, really benefit in a multitude of ways from just being still and being one with nature, being one with their soul, with themselves, and then separating from all of the noise and the chaos. Yeah, it's it's something that I've taken, you know, from this whole experience of being on the road, being in nature a lot, and I've kind of brought back to my daily life of, I miss the times that I didn't have cell coverage because it was easy to disconnect then. Yeah. Right. And now it's, it's, it's tough. I, I feel like I'm, you know, constantly connected to my phone or my laptop. And, you know, I, I've kind of, since returning, I've scheduled in times where I turn off my phone, I put my laptop away, I put it away and I just exist. And, you know, I just try, it's not always in quiet. It's not always in nature. Sometimes it's just having conversations with my mom or with my sister, but you know, those moments of stillness are, are fleeting. I feel like as we progress into a more and more technologically savvy society and, and a society that is always going, we're always on to the next goal, on to the next task. You know, it seems like life is judged. Your life is judged by how much you can get done. And at the same at the same time, like yes, we want to have goals, we want to have ambitions, but we also need to just exist. And that's what this trip taught me. Of you know, you're always going to have goals, you're always going to have the next thing you need to get done. But if you can never just sit and check in with yourself and connect to a deeper part of you, you're never going to fully experience life. Powerful words, sir. Powerful words. So you mentioned Utah. What was your track kind of? Did you have a specific track that you were running on as far as where you were going throughout your trip? Or were you really just, I mean, did you map it out at all? (laughs) It's funny because my mom asked me the day before I was going to head out the same question. She's like, where are you going? And I'm like, Honestly, I don't even know where I'm staying tomorrow night. <laughs> and I, at night, I booked a campground in um, Missouri. But my whole thing was trying to be as spontaneous and just go with it as much as I can. And what I found was that even when I did plan things, plans got blown out immediately. Like it, it, it was like the, it was like the universe telling me that this whole trip is unplanned and you're going to go through it unplanned because I viewed it as like a training for life because how often, I mean, take the past year and a half, for example, right? Everyone that had five-year plans, two-year plans of I'm going to do this and accomplish this. And then a global pandemic shows up and everyone gets put on hold. And for me, this trip was like a, a micro vision of that, of, you know, preparing me for when life throws something else at me, being able to kind of take a step back, take a deep breath, go with it and figure it out as I go. So to answer your question, no, I didn't have a very big track. I kind of went early on where the weather was warmer. So I trended south. So I started um, heading south to New Mexico um, and then to Arizona. And then I kind of Utah was calling me. So I went up to Utah and then cut across to through Nevada, um, down into Southern Cali, went up the coast to the Pacific Northwest, up along the northern uh, parts of the states, and then cut kind of back down through Colorado and then came home. That was my trip. 
It's incredible. There's some some good spots up through that way. I've I've ventured. Yeah. That way. Tell me about you wanting to do a triathlon. Ha <laughs> ha! Oh gosh, um, triathlon. So my mom came up to me actually about a week before I was um, going to come home, and she in the past had done, um, you know, try like half Ironmans and things of that nature. And she hadn't done one in, I don't know, five plus years. And she had just gone back. She, before I left on my trip, she actually had gotten sick um, with COVID and got hit pretty hard. Um, she's okay now and everything, but um, it, it took a toll on her. So, you know, she wasn't able to work out for a couple months and she texted me. She's like, Hey, I want to go, like, I want to do triathlon at the end of July. Um, do you want to do with me? And I was like, you know what? hundred percent. My mom's always supported me in everything I do. Heck yes. I'm going to support her. So I agreed to doing it. It's a sprint length. Um, and also I've always just been one to push myself and I've always labeled myself. I think even when we started this podcast, I said, I'm not a runner. And I've always labeled myself as that. I'm not a runner. I'm not a distance athlete. I'm short, stocky, broad shoulder. I'm meant to lift heavy things. And, you know, I'm trying to break that because I've never been one and I never enjoy putting labels or limits on what I can do. So it may not be like a lot with the triathlon, but for me, it's everything because it's, you know, going completely out of my wheelhouse and training and going after that. So that's why I'm doing a triathlon, mainly because my mom, and then also because I'm trying to push myself. Yeah, there's a lot to be said there. It's having people that you will do stuff for in your corner, your support group, your system, the people you surround yourself with, but trying new things, man, I I agree. I would not label myself a runner. (laughs) It definitely has been calling me also some, some weird reason. So when I saw that, I was like, that's something I would say. <laughs> yeah. Trash. You should absolutely do it. That breakthrough. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's some there's some guys that I've, you know, been following up with and keeping up with that are big runners, big distance guys. And I was like, whew. All right. Yeah, right. <laughs> I've always something about it. Something calls you. You know, you just gotta you gotta you gotta answer sometimes. You do. You do. So well. We've had an incredible time. There's a question that I'd love to always ask, and I'm interested in your experiences and your wisdom this far. What is your definition of success? I really like this question. So as a 20-year-old, most people call me pretty young in the grand scheme of everything, right? And it's a question that when I started my, my business, my online training business, I confronted myself with it because you know, for some, a successful business is making a lot of money. For some, successful business is helping a lot of people. And, you know, for me, I I guess in terms of life, success for me is being able to leave a positive impact on the world when I'm gone. If I can say I did that, I would be thrilled with my life. So kind of breaking down what that entails, I guess, would be, you know, through my business, helping people live healthier, stronger lives. Mm -hmm. That's a big thing for me. Um, Something that is super important to me is always kind of spreading positivity, you know, radiating kindness. So being able to, when people talk about me when I'm gone, to say he was always the kind one. He was always the one that helped me when I was down, kind of put aside whatever he was doing to help me. Mm-hmm. So I guess a lot of my, you know, definition of success comes from just being a kind person, being having my legacy be known for helping. Mm, I love that. <clears throat> there is, there's a lot to be said there. And in bringing your passion and bringing something that you're good at together, you know, equals purpose to me. It's, it's something that we all look for and being able to take that leap and the things that you've done at a, 
like you said, a young, ripe young age. It's, it is impressive. So I can tell you that you've already left a positive impact on everyone that's listened to this show, on me for joining it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always happy and refreshed to see, you know, younger people like yourself that are absolutely on the right track to making a big difference in this world and in a lot of people's lives. So Michael, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Thank you so much for having me, Mason. This was awesome. It was great talking with you and hopefully we can do this again someday. Oh, we will definitely tell everybody where they can find you. Tell them a little bit about your courses and and where they can find you online. Yeah. So you can find me on Twitter is where I'm mostly um, active. Um, My Twitter handle is at Mike D Donatelli. Um, So you can find me there. Um, You can find me on Instagram. I post some pictures from my trip at Michael underscore Donatelli. Um, and yeah, I currently have a few spots open left for summer clients. So if you're looking at, you know, building healthier habits, transforming your body, getting stronger, um, reach out to me on any of those platforms. I'd be happy to talk you through some of my coaching options and yeah, thank you again for having me, man. This was awesome and pumped for the next time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you all for tuning in. Michael, thank you so much for your time. Guys, if you enjoyed today's episode, share it with someone who you think could get benefit from it. That's the biggest thing I ask to you guys is to share the wealth and then act on something that Michael said or something that I said. Take it and put it into action and let it change your life in a positive direction. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and hit that purple subscribe button. Reach out to me or Michael. Let me know what you thought about the episode today. We'd love to hear it. So thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the Breathe in Air podcast. Michael, thank you so much again. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much.